Shining on them, yes, I'm the token now. Real bright, call me the golden child. Look around, I'm the one that's chosen. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever we are finding you in the world. Thank you so much for joining us for the She's So Out of Order podcast, where we deal with, confront, heal, and challenge each other as a community and a culture to do better. The She's So Out of Order podcast is a discussion about learning and pushing through our flaws and imperfections. In this podcast, we are controversial, we are funny, but this is also a safe place for us to deal and heal. I am your co-host, Sasha, and our other host, our founder, Eureka The Truth. How y'all doing today? Thank y'all for joining us again on this journey. Um, We're so excited to get back into um, part two. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Miss Sasha Holmes and allow her to reintroduce our guest for this week. Oh my gosh, if you guys did not catch part one of this discussion on mental health, we have had the privilege of having the Mrs. soon-to-be Dr. Tyrese McAllister. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We talked about being products of our environments. We talked about putting the face um, and the stories to mental health um, in a way that our communities can identify with it. And where we left off was really talking about understanding the whys of therapy and and kind of why it's needed and it's necessary. Um, I know for me personally, like Eureka talked about the last session, um, I grew up in, you know, a good family. I had my mom and my stepdad that were there. Um, You know, my father kind of was there, but absent. And so I grew up around a lot of rejection Um, I grew up around a lot of, you know, just verbal and, you know, some physical abuse that's even hard for me to kind of talk about and be honest and open about that because as a culture, we just don't, right? And we want to protect our parents, we want to protect our home, and we want to present the best of ourselves. Um, And I found myself at 31, my, my father passed away, and, you know, I always had this kind of hope in the back of my mind that we would you know, rekindle our relationship and I would go back to being daddy's little girl at some point. And I found myself being an overachiever, always, you know, vying for someone's love. And I got the best grades and I was, you know, running from his BCU in college and a part of student government and was a cheerleader and all of these things until my perfect world that I created in my mind kind of crashed. Um, and also being a Christian, you know, yes, We have the Bible and we had all of those tools and I knew that God loved me, but I needed somebody to help me process the level of rejection, you know, that I was going through at the time. Um, And one of my favorite Bible verses comes from um, Philippians and it's four, six through eight. And it's funny that the Bible talks about anxiety, right? Like we saw in so many examples that even Jesus himself dealt with depression where he cried until you know he bled and all of those things and it talks about you know don't be anxious for anything and pray and you know don't worry and all of that stuff and for me that was like okay well if I can't manage my emotions and I don't want to be a detriment to anyone else around me I need to go to someone who is professionally able to help me through this transition right So why do you think it's such a stigma? And to be honest with you, a lot of people around me didn't understand. My community that I was in was not talking about therapy at all, right? We might be talked about marriage counseling and all of the cutesy parts of navigating your emotions, but as Christians in the community, we don't talk about therapy. Why do you think it's such a stigma that Jesus and therapy cannot coexist? Well, the church... Uh, oftentimes is um, think that um, Jesus is the answer. And being a, a not just a Christian, but I'm God's girl. Like mm. me and Jesus is like that, right? Like that's my, God is my daddy. He's not the CEO in the office. Yes. Um, however, however, um, that's my spiritual side, right? And so there are, there are spiritual matters that God can definitely intervene on. And in the physical form and in this world that we live in, we need other things. And, and I believe that God provides that. 
through other people. And so therapy is one. And there's alternatives, alternatives to healing too. So I don't think that therapy is the only answer. I don't think medication is the only answer. There are a lot of other things that people can engage in to get healing, but healing is what is necessary. And I believe that Jesus um, certainly, um, you know, provides that for us. I think the uh, the reason why it needs to come in human form because it's not a su- it's not going to be a supernatural healing, right? It's work you have to do, mm-hmm. and if you keep doing the work as you saw fit, you will keep being in the same place. Because if you could heal you, you would have already been healed. Because nobody wants to live like this, which tells us which tells us that it has to be something else. But also the church. Um, and I'm on my church about this often, we have to have a more compassionate and Christian response to people who have mental illness as well, right? And the church can um, really be standoffish and ostracize people who who are different or people or, who or, are hurting. Or Miss Tyree, we, we, we look at it as demonic. They got a spirit. Lord, uh-huh. come on now. Y'all better preach. <laughs> Right. When this person is clinically, you know, I've had family members that I've lived with my entire life that we thought things were wrong with. They were just bipolar. Right. And oftentimes we want to deal with everything with holy water and an exorcism. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> right. You, you ain't lying. I had a teacher, Miss Brinkley, when we used to act up in her class and some of us just had some issues. She would have holy oil and she would be putting it on us and we're looking at it like what you <laughs> oh my god and not saying that demonic spirits aren't a thing like they absolutely are you know and we should do spiritually what we need to do in those spaces but i love that you said that because literally some people are they're, they're dealing with anxiety they they're bipolar they might be clinically schizophrenic or whether it's drug induced or what have you and we want to deal with everything from a standoffish perspective. I love that you said that. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no worries. Um, I actually have a client that I've been working with for a few months. Um, and he he is clinically depressed. And he went through, I mean, he had all kind of things that he had the sleep study, which I recommend. He had a physical, which I also recommend before you get on meds. He had, I mean, when I say he went to every specialist trying not to be depressed, so finally, after a year, he's still suffering. He comes to me, and we start. I start broaching medication. So he was like, "No, nah, I definitely don't want to do that." I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, I'll just keep working with you, and you know, we'll see." Mm-hmm. And finally, finally, he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna need some medication." So he's taking the medication, and he is so much better. It's a miracle, right? So I talked to him. So this week I spoke with him. He's on week three or four. And he's like, everybody is saying I'm so much better. And I feel like even when he, when we talked, when, when he came, because of course this is virtual, when he came on the screen, I'm like, hey, you look different. He's like, yeah, I feel better. I mean, like everything had changed about him. And it's because he finally took the medicine. And I'm like, you could have saved yourself a year and lots of cocaine. Right, mm-hmm. by, just by just doing the math, but he, you know, and I get it. Like you, you just don't want to do it. Like you don't, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, it's such a stigma do that nobody wants that to do it. Men are like the hardest um, thing to be able to accept mental health, or to convince. Yeah. Because I think with them, it's like they feel like it's a. Uh, uh, a strike to their manhood. I can't cry. I can't say I need issues because everybody's gonna think that I'm weak, and I, and I feel like you know, black men definitely out of anybody definitely needs to be falling at somebody's door for therapy because of what they had to go through. And one such it's like pulling teeth from a lion. They just mm-mm. you can't even get them to go to the doctor. They could be sitting around here done broke their arm and they leg and they still trying to like, no, nah, I don't need nothing. I'm good. I think right, right. when I went to therapy and I 
put myself there. I found my therapist on therapyforblackgirls.com. Um, and I love that you said earlier that um, we we needed to see the representation. And I think now more than ever, we have more black and brown, you know, women and men going into therapy so that there's more of a representation. But I think as my husband saw me healing and as my husband saw me, you know, able to better articulate my, my you know, communication and myself and my feelings and that I wasn't shutting down and all of that, um, my therapist encouraged me to bring him in with me on a couple of sessions. And I think that I was able to convince him because he saw therapy, you know, kind of working for me. Go ahead. Look, my, my husband is married to a therapist and wouldn't go. Mm. Um, but he's in therapy now. After the homicide of our daughter, he definitely went. Um, and he's finding it, um, you know, he's finding his space there, his sweet spot with therapy but it is it is really an issue and you know people don't want anything to be wrong with them and that and i get that but you can't you you won't continue to hurt like me i just don't want to hurt i don't want to i want peace in my life and if therapy brings me peace if medicine brings me peace that's what i'm gonna go for but everybody is not there and 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 remember i said earlier you really got to be able to see that it it can work because that's the thing people don't see that it can really work yeah you got to be able to know that okay there's a i mean i'm going but i'm going to get some help if you don't feel like help is possible or that you're worth the help you're not going to that you are worth the help let me ask you this what would you say to those individuals even those wives out there who you know may have been suffering from postpartum depression like me who you know lost my father went to therapy i'm doing the work right and i and as you said the work is hard you're open you're raw you're it's like heart surgery um and it's tough right but you're doing the work but you're still going back to on the unhealthy environment oftentimes that you're going to therapy to heal from whether it's an abusive relationship or, you know, infidelity is another huge one. Um, I'm doing the work, Eureka's doing the work, your clients taking their medicine, but they're going back into the unhealthy environments with people who are not doing the work. What advice would you give to to us, to them? Um, I think the, well, the rooms of NAAA say your best, you gotta change your people, person, and places and things. So an example is, um, I, personally don't do no drama i don't do toxic relationships and i years ago i was called dismissive and i was offended mm-hmm. by being called dismissive and then i realized yeah i am dismissive i don't dismiss you i dismiss me because i'm not doing this drama with you because i just know that everybody's not healed and everybody ain't working towards healing so you what you're not going to do is get me caught up in your stuff so i have family members and they got a lot of drama and I'm still cordial to him. I still speak, hey, cousin, blah, 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 blah. However, I'm not spending no significant amount of time with them because they just, I ain't into it. I don't want to sit around and talk about people. I don't want to, you know, just, I, I don't understand some of the issues that people have because I don't put myself in those situations. No judgment, but if it, if it don't bring you peace, you got you to gotta bring yourself out of it. There's nobody who's going to rescue you and bring you a bottle of peace. You gotta be fighting for it and you gotta fight for it like you fight for your life. Like people who are drowning, they fight for their life. Hmm. And I'm fighting for my peace. Like it's my peace. I'm responsible for my peace. So I don't say, oh, you done made me have a bad day. No, I made me have a bad day because I didn't leave the situation. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a, that's a job. You know, if you're in your job and you and you can't get no peace there, it's time to leave. I'm not going to, I've seen people stay in churches and complain the whole time about the churches getting on their nerves and the people this and that. And I'm like, why are you still there? Oh, it's my mm-hmm. church. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'm not that tired. I'm tired to my peace for it and I'm tired to anything else. Yeah, but I guess it's about self-love. You got to love yourself enough 
to yeah. be able to say, I'm going to pull myself out of that. And that it's, it's okay to start over because some people are so afraid to start over. I'm so used to this. And, you know, this is my, my nest egg and, and my comfort zone. Sometimes you got to step out and say, you know what, bump it. I'm going to be out here naked, not literally, but I'm going to strip everything that I know that is comfortable to me and go just do something different because it'll probably be better over there. Your peace will be better. You'll be able to love yourself. You'll be able to find better people that will pour into you and help lift you to another level. But you can't be afraid to start over. You know, sometimes you got to just take the rug from out from, from underneath you. Yeah. And the other thing is sometimes you can get away from somebody without getting away from them. I tell people all the time, my mute button works. People start talking nonsense because the reality is I can't always get away from work. Somebody at work I'm a supervisor, so I can't She's tell people to get the hell out of the office. I can't do that. But I can put my mute button on and be like, oh, okay, thank you. Listen, <laughs> like, can we pause? Just, hold up, like, hold up. You're talking too good. Wait a minute, slow down. Hold on, Doc. And I'm prophesying, Doc, we're going to call it as it is. You're talking good. You said something earlier about people place something. Can you, can you go back to that first? You what can't did I say? What'd you say I said? You said that you may, if you're doing the work, you have to change your people, your place. So I can't take credit for that. That's from the uh, rooms of Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. People who are trying to recover from the lifestyle they had, Mm -hmm. you got to change You got to change it. You got to change. You can't expect the people to change. They going to continue to get high in the youth. You got to move yourself out of those situations so you have to change the people places and things that you can't deal with the same people you can't go to the same places and you can't do the same thing so like if you people who like for example a person who's used drugs most of their life that's what they've been doing and that's what they know to do when they get stressed that the people who they are around use and do the same thing in those same places so if you want to really recover and stop you got to find friends who do new things you, the, the friends that do new things ain't hanging out in the same place that you used to hang out. So you got to change the people, places, and things. And so if people are on your nerves or people constantly steal your joy, why are you staying in that place? Especially if you can't dismiss them in your mind. Ooh. I love it. Especially if you can't dismiss them in, in love though, right? Like even Jesus get thee behind me, Satan. There's many times where he had to tell even Peter, listen, Peter, I love you, but not today. (laughs) Not Not today. today. Right? And my takeaway. And you gotta know your own self self because an example, sometimes you the problem. And that's the other thing people really don't, you know, some of my clients. Some of my clients, you know, you blaming other people. I have to tell them all the time, well, you blaming other people, but I see this as your man. Like, you, you, the, you the one. Um, yeah. You stink sometimes. Own your stink. Right. So you, you done changed churches three times in every place that people Hello? are tripping. I'm going to say it's you. And so what are you doing? What are you adding to this whole, this whole thing? And that's what you really have to look at. Yes. I love that. And before I give it back over to Eureka, couple of things. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend last night and we were talking about emotional intelligence. And there's so many leaders, you know, um, CEOs, supervisors, managers, all of these people that lack emotional intelligence. And I think that if we realize that a lot of, as we do the work, self-awareness to me is a superpower. And that's what therapy helped me to to come into is my own self-awareness, right? Own my stink, as Eureka said, and realize that a lot of the people that I fellowship with daily are just not emotionally intelligent. And so from this little second half, big second half, I'm taking away, I can be internally dismissive and not accept projection, right? Of anybody else's mess on me. And I have an internal mute button. Mute. Goodbye. (laughs) To the left. Look, I come back. I come back and I'm like, oh, they still talking back into my head. (laughs) 
Well, see, it's easy for me to do that um, simply because of my ADHD. So if somebody gets talking some mess, I just go ahead and just leave the building. It's easy for me to go sit on Jamaica <laughs> Island and be sitting there sipping, sipping me a virgin cocktail, just like, okay, when they mouth stop, then I'm going to be like, oh, okay, wow, that's crazy. Oh, man. Ooh, Jesus. Because they don't think you, you heard everything that they said. So that's what I do. But don't, if I say that to you, Tyrese, just act like I didn't tell you that's what I do. <laughs> Uh-huh. Now I know your secret. Right. You're telling me yourself. <laughs> but um, um, Sasha just actually just said something that I really wanted to ask. So I'm glad that she brought that in. Um, she was talking about some therapists not having the emotional intelligence. Um, one of my favorite movies that I love to watch is Why Did I Get Married? The Tyler Perry movie. And you know, never perfect Patty that could tell everybody else how to fix their life, but her life was a shambles. And some therapists that I know personally, life is a mess. And I'm like, hold up here. You sitting up here charging me all this money, helping somebody else, but you won't get your own self some help. So hold up, wait, Eureka, look, because this is controversial. And I know that we both have mutual friends that's watching this. What I said was, that a lot of our leaders, managers, and, you know, people that we look up to are not emotionally intelligent. Not none of the therapists. I'm not saying nothing about my, my therapist friends. I love y'all. Eureka said that. Let me just say both of y'all. So whether it's a manager or um, a therapist or just a life coach, right? Or, or anybody, right? That does, it's like, if you go to a hairstylist and her hair is a mess, it don't mean she can't do hair. She just ain't did hers, right? Yeah. So even, even, even a broke clock is right twice a day. So any advice, any advice you get from anybody, be discerning for yourself because it could be good advice, but it doesn't have to be advice for you. Or it could be very good advice for you is you you just caught up in the messenger, but always be caught up in you. Always be self-absorbed. My sorority sister, Nikki Giovanni, says, show me a woman who is not full of herself, and I will show you an empty woman. And so even when I am a therapist and I get advice from a therapist, Bomb I just Wait, huh? Miss, wait, 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 wait. This is where I got to pause you again. Wait a minute. Drop the bomb as Eureka is saying. Show me a woman who is not, what was it, absorbed with herself? Full of herself. You know, because we say that women who are full of themselves, that we, you know, that they're, you know, self-absorbed or, you know, and that's really, you know, in our community, we so big on somebody being conceited. Well, conceited is okay, really. Stigma alert. Stigma alert. Hold on. Stigma alert. Well, I, even as a black woman, we look at each other like, oh, she thinks she all that. Oh, she stuck. No, you think she all that. That's why you tripping. It ain't her. It's you. And that's what I'm saying. We got to really be real about what's going on with us. I'm not going to be less of myself so you can feel better about you. <laughs> right. Raise your standard. I'm sorry. Get, get your weight up. Yeah. Right. I, I will and, help and you. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the therapist part, though. Like, you have to be discerning no matter who the advice is coming from. Is this, a, and you don't have to re- reject it. You don't have to be like, I don't need to hear that. You can take it, absorb it. Sometimes you need to chew it. You need to sit with it. And maybe it speaks to you. Don't get mad when people are giving you advice. Can you grow from it? And it could be from anybody. It could be, it could be from the guy on the street that's a homeless person. And he's telling you how to get a house. And you don't listen. You dismiss him because he's living on the street. Come on but now. he might know something. So don't, don't get caught up in the messenger. Amen. Get caught up in the message and see if the message is for you. Because sometimes Christ is giving you a message through somebody, and it could be that therapist that don't have herself together, but that wasn't her, that was it's not her time. The message is for you for this day and for this time. So always be discerning about the message and not the messenger. Amen. Amen. I, I definitely think that's you know, you have a lot of people. I know this really don't have nothing to do with mental health. But going back to the church where a lot of people say, I ain't going to this church. I don't like this pastor. This pastor did this and did that. And and so many people in the church are phony and faking everything. And I always tell them, I said, 
it ain't about the person it's about the message and if the message is real you receive that it ain't your your business to be worrying about what that pastor doing behind closed doors that may have slipped out to the light get the message and see how does that apply to your life stigma alert i think that we use that as an excuse to not be accountable come on now we use it as an excuse to not deal with our mess Right, come on now. As an excuse to not be a part of a community, and a lot of out of order. Y'all out of order. I'm just saying, y'all are totally out of order with all these gym profits. No, 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 we not. We 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 right here in the pocket. We right here. Cause you know us. Like I love Tupac, one of my favorite rappers. But I hate the fact that he made that song, Only God Can Judge Me. Because mm-hmm. we say that all the time when we don't want to be held accountable for some bull crap we done pull. Are you judging me? No, I'm not. I'm just calling you out on your mess. Own and, that, baby. Own that. It's okay. But no, let me let me go back. Let me go back because I too am a Tupac fan. And I want to say when he's saying only God can judge me, not that other people won't judge me, but I'm going to dismiss y'all judgment because what I'm doing is what I'm trying to live for is is for God to judge me. So you, it might look crazy to you, but this might be what God told me to do. Talk about it and listen at this. I, I, I might get in trouble. I'm about to jack up some Uh-oh. people's doctrine. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm with the ish. I'm with it all. Come on. God don't have no judgment to give you. When he sent Jesus to the earth to save us, to break the curses, it's done. The judgment that's coming on you is what you are bringing on yourself for making bad decisions, for you know not doing what you're supposed to be doing, not using the resources that God gave you. You are bringing judgment on yourself. God does not have any judgment to give us. I definitely, okay. I definitely, yeah, I definitely, I can definitely understand because you that's know my, that's my opinion. He's a, a merciful God, you know. Absolutely. He definitely give us grace and mercy and everything. Now that don't mean we need to be going to go swandle it, and no, no one's going to go do something and say, "Oh, well, God got it under grace. He, he's going to cover me." He also knows you know better. If the teacher has given you the book, right, and here are all the answers. If you live righteously. If you, you know, you, you, you're not sleeping around. I'm just giving some examples. You know, the thing is he's giving you the book and he says, follow this. I'm giving you all the answers that you need. He can step away and love you like you need to be loved because I've given you every single thing that you need to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think we want to put a lot of responsibility on God and not take responsibility for our own actions, for our lack of accountability, for our lack of disobedience. But you know another thing that they do? Not only do they I know I may be out of order. No, you ain't out of order. One thing, they put a lot of responsibility on God, but they also put some responsibility on the devil. They have some stuff where people say, oh, the devil is busy. The devil, come on. I know the devil has to be looking up at God and be like, bro, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. They lying on me, Jesus. You saw, I was minding my business down here. <laughs> we got to do be held accountable for some stuff because we let me help you god does not have any pain and suffering or anything like that to give you he doesn't and i'm so thankful that and especially and here we go again why do we hear our white count our hill songs and our maverick worship and all of those people they can sing about a god that black people have never experienced He's out in the oceans and he loves me. He loves me so amazingly. Mm, right? And we we hear we sing their worship songs and then we come back to our black our you know our gospel songs and oh he's trouble in the water and my baby ain't got no shoes and you know all and it's like oh, two different gods we're serving. <laughs> so that's our reality though. That's the reality of of uh you know when those songs were those Negro spirituals were born out of slavery and that's way in the water. Like that was, that's, that was our experience. But right? can we stop but waiting, Doc? When can we stop waiting, right? Like even with you. When we change, when we change and that's the thing, right? Like, cause we can change out, we can change what our reality is. Like you don't have to say, like when I say I left home at 17 and I put my 18 year old self through college, 
right? Like I'm still mm-hmm. paying for it because I did it with loans, but it can be done, right? Mm-hmm. So now my song is different, right? But you got to be able to see that. And then it's up to people like, and I'm not sure, I'm not dismissing you, um, Sasha, but I'm saying like Eureka and I, we we grew up through some troubled times. So it is really up to us to reach back into the community Amen. and share with people and give them some hope, right? Like hope Amen. you can see because there's hope in, there's hope in Christ or there's hope in, in a relationship with God. But sometimes it's hard to believe the invisible until somebody can show you something different. And so like when, when I, when I run up against people with who don't believe in God, because you can't see them, I'm like, you can't see the, air either you can't see this oxygen however if it's not working for you you in trouble so mm-hmm. you got to just be able to give people nuggets that they can grow from and glean from so that they too can then be overcomers right and so mm-hmm. it, it really is about how, like what the people who've been there before like which is why i wrote a book I wrote a book to say, look, I went through this and I survived it. Not only did I survive it, I'm resilient, radically resilient. I'm better than I was before this ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. I still would rather it not have happened to me, mm-hmm. but I'm better than, and so that gives encouragement to people who like, I ain't going to be able to make it. I'm like, you're going to be able to make it. And here's a book to show you how you can make it. Yeah. So it's up to us to do those types of things because there are people who really believe like this is it. Um, I took one of my daughter's friends um, with me to D.C., and they grew up in, in Maryland, right, on, right on, the, on the line, and they had never been to the White House and never seen the Capitol. They had never, we took him out for his 18th birthday, and he didn't know, he had never been to a restaurant. He had been to a carryout, but he'd never been to a restaurant where you sit down, get a menu, and order your food. So when I say that, we take a lot for granted, including myself, because I didn't even think that could be such a thing. Because even growing up in the hood, I had been to a restaurant as a kid. Yeah, definitely, definitely. My yeah. point is, we assume that people have exposure to things. We assume that mm-hmm. people have boots to pull themselves up by the bootstrap, but the reality is that they don't. Not everybody. So it's up to people who do, who have been able to do it, to do it, yeah. and to share that they can do it or that it can be done. Um, I, we got two more questions for you. We're going to go ahead and wrap up because um, I really definitely want to touch on to this because you've been talking about your daughter. Um, you definitely have um, a spirit of forgiveness that is whew, out of this world. Um, that's one of the things it's that out of I, order. It's out of order. <laughs> uh, that I am, I'm, I wish one day I can get to because I definitely suffers from that you know especially when it's someone hurt me that i expected not to hurt me that someone that should have protected me it's definitely hard for me to forgive i've been praying about this for probably oh jesus i want to say maybe about 25 years like lord please help me you know be able to forgive people um how are you able to forgive people so and how do um forgiveness place into mental health. And, and what I mean by that is that I found out where there are so many people that have been through what I've been through, been through what Sasha been through, been through what you've been through, and they have not been able to come out of that hole. They always say, oh, I, I, I'm this way and I'm on drugs and I'm doing this and I'm doing that because I was in the foster care system. Uh, my mom left me, my dad left me, this happened to me. I've seen people get killed and they kind of, and I hate to use the word use the word excuse because I want to be mindful of everyone that has is going through this but how does that because I feel like if you can get to a place of just some forgiveness maybe not fully that can kind of help you you know get you out of your rut that you're in but if you're still holding on to this forgiveness all the way to the fifth power yeah that plays a part into your mental health because now you're dealing with the PTSD you're dealing with depression anxiety and all of that so can you just speak on that just a little can I add Eureka to that? Sure, go ahead. Um, and just to add to that too, um, part B, if we get to it is, what do you do if acknowledgement of your situation never comes? If you never get the I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, y'all, y'all on my lane right now. Some people so don't realize you. that people have, it's dead and gone. 
So you ain't never gonna get that apology or that explanation. So yes, how do you accept that when you're never gonna get it? Or like uh, Derek Chauvin told George Floyd's family yesterday, I'm, I express my deepest condolences, but more is gonna come out about the case. Excuse me, sir? All right, I, I'm out of order. Go ahead, Doc, sorry. Okay, so first of all, as a therapist, I know that um, anger and unforgiveness does not serve me. And forgiveness is never about the person that hurts you. It's not. It helps them, right? Because it, hel it, it helps them not to have to carry as much guilt if there's any guilt, because sometimes it's no guilt. But it helps them feel better. But it absolutely helps me feel better. And one thing I don't remember, I talked about my peace. Me not forgiving somebody is disturbing my peace, but just to be able to let it go. I would love to tell you that I am such a high minded um, and, and, and just this wonderful person that I was automatically able to forgive the person all on my own because I'm so great. Well, that's not true. God intervened on my behalf immediately. So what happened was how this whole forgiveness subject even came up. My daughter was shot on Monday night. She died Tuesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. I have, well, I have people at my house from the, before I even get to my house, there are lots of people at my house because you know how black people do when somebody die and people came to support um, and love up on me and my husband and my daughter. And I mean, when I say because I'm going to come back to that. That's why I got to let y'all understand. When I say the amount of people that converged on my home was unbelievable, and even at my daughter's funeral. But I want to say this, that where that much love exists, you can't have any hate. But I want to say that I had an interview on that Wednesday afternoon with Bruce, Bruce Johnson, and he asked me, I didn't know what the questions were. He asked me, what would I say to the person who killed my daughter? And I said, exact words, I forgive, and I, tears flowing down my eyes, my heart broken. I forgive the person who killed my daughter. Mm. And I just pray that whether they're caught or not, that they would change their life, that they have to know that my daughter's life was worth it, but their life is worth it too. And unfortunately in our community, the shooter usually don't even know. That's why black people can kill black people without a second thought. That's why they can do gunplay right in the middle of three o'clock in the afternoon and the community is full because they, they don't feel like their life is worth it or that your life is worth it because you look like them. And that's sad to me. That's, that's, that's sad for our community that we have so many people who don't care about themselves or yeah. others that look like so, them. So and so, did you make that statement uh, out, of, out of a place of faith or did you really mean that deep down in your heart? Let so, me, hmm. let, let me tell you, let me, let me tell you. So I did this interview. So 11 o'clock at night, my house is still filled with people. We are watching the, I think my it's 11 o'clock. We are watching the news. I am sitting on the love seat with my daughter. My house is full. People are standing up. People are sitting there. I mean, it's, it's full. And I'm watching the news. And I look at myself on TV. Now, I remember doing an interview, but I don't remember not one question or anything that I said at this point. I am watching myself on the TV. And for me, this is my first time hearing me say this. I'm looking at me say this, and I ask myself, to myself I'm having this conversation within myself, because mind you, my house is full of people. And when I hear me say, I forgive the person for killing my daughter, I'm looking like, you do? <laughs> right? Because I, I didn't think about it before, and I didn't think about it after the interview, because again, the house is crowded, and I'm busy, like greeting people and stuff. So I have this whole conversation with myself, like you forgive this person. And then God shares with me in my mind that not one time my daughter called me Monday night to tell me that her sister was shot. And, that, and I got dressed. We went to the hospital. We stayed overnight until she passed. And I'm back at home. And not one time, God is telling me this, not one time 
did I think that somebody killed her. I knew she had gotten shot, but I never, and, and even mm. when the doctor told me she passed after 12 hours, I remember saying this, it's God's will. I don't even know why I said it because I was like, you tripping. <laughs> like, girl, you in shock. And I knew that because I, I know what to expect because I've done homicide response for 20 years. So I know what to expect. So I'm thinking, okay, girl, you in shock. Okay, just, you know, go with it. So that was Tuesday morning. So when I do this interview and I'm watching it on TV, I'm having this conversation in my mind with God. And God showed me that once, not one time since Monday, have you even thought about she was killed. I wasn't angry. I was sad and my heart was broken, but I wasn't angry, not at all. And I realized later that it was no room for anger because he, actually the moment I found that my daughter got shot, when I got to the hospital, my friends, family, sorority sisters, they were there. My husband's fraternity, I mean, we were surrounded by so much love. Uh, my daughter was in the police program she was in a, she wanted to be a police officer. So she was in the Maryland state trooper, um, sort like a, like a youth program for kids who want to be law enforcement. Um, the captain came and stood with us. Her, her, um, I, I guess it's his, her lieutenant, but whoever she was working under stood with us. Like when I say they, oh my God, it was so, it gives me the creep how much love this 18 year old girl, she only been in the world 18 years but it was so much love shown to her and to our family it was crazy um and so the and 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 so many good things were happening i had only been on my job a month um so i i had no leave i had no leave and i couldn't afford to take work no couldn't afford to not work without pay mm -hmm. um but when i say everything was orchestrated i was able to take eight weeks of leave and not worry about it. They, oh, nobody don't leave. Didn't have to beg for it. Everything came to me. Another thing I want to share, um, like I knew this was God and I knew, I, I'm not going to say God took my daughter, but I will say that God took care of me in the loss of my daughter. That's it. We had, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go into that because I want to go to the forgiveness. So anyway, the forgiveness But I will say not, you move on, I got a chance to see the link of that interview. And what she said, it was so shocking. Her husband couldn't believe it. Mm. Like he was just on the side looking like, wow, like, did this, did she just say that? And she was like, who killed our baby girl? But it, it, yeah, I seen it. So it definitely had so to come from something say, that was higher. And I wanted to say too, I don't think it was me speaking. I think it was God speaking through me. And then he reminded me. Mm. Right. And and I think it was a protection because the other thing I drive past where my daughter got killed, that's my route to work. And that's my route home. So twice a day, five days a week, wow. I, that's my route. And when I say God protects me and he protects my peace, like I have not, because at first I was like, okay, when I first, when I first went back to work, I was like, I'm going to have a breakdown one day going and coming from here. And it just never happened. And so we're on year four and I'm comfortable now that like, Ain't not gonna happen. God got me. Like God mm -hmm. definitely got me. Um, and so when you have that kind of faith, you can't be angry with people. And a lot of times when bad things happen, good things come out of it, but it's your choice. You really have a choice. Um, and so you've got to one number one, you gotta want to forgive. You gotta understand what that the, the that is divine to forgive. But people think if I forgive, it's saying it's okay. No, it's not okay that that dude killed my kid. <laughs> it's not okay. Because that was my baby. It's definitely not okay. But I also know that people aren't born monsters. And I also know that I can be as angry as I want to be. It does nothing to him. And more importantly, it will never bring her back. So it's no need of me holding on to something and not honoring what it is. My heart is broken. I still operate with a broken heart. That's my disability. My heart is broken, but I have a superpower and my superpower is to be able to bounce back better than I was before. My superpower is to be able to forgive the unforgivable, right? Like that's not easy to do. That is a superpower. And so I would tell everybody, first want to forgive the people who hurt you and the best thing you can do 
for that is to come back better than what you would have been. Sometimes the hurt that we have puts us in a different trajectory. It allows us to heal. It, we, once we heal, it allows us to help in the healing of other people. So even the drama that I had as a child gave me a real sensibility and empathy for other children who are growing up in homes where things just ain't right. Like I understand that from a much deeper level. So I'm not even angry with my family, my, my mother or my father, right? Because I, I come to understanding that they did the best they could with what they had. And a lot of times people don't mean to hurt you, they just do. And I wanna talk about when, when you can't ask for forgiveness. I mean, when pe not you can't ask for forgiveness, your question was when people don't get to say they sorry, either get to say it or they won't say it. Mm -hmm. So my mother, if you ask my mother, she did a perfect job. She didn't do anything wrong. And especially because I, I turned out so good, you definitely can't tell her it wasn't because of her, what she did. You can't tell her. But I'm not looking for forgiveness from her because I'm okay with who I am. And I had to learn to do some other stuff for myself. And even some of her, the lack that she had made me have to stand up in places that maybe I wouldn't have had to stand up. And it's made me a stronger person. And I can appreciate that. Now, I have a cousin who's also very angry with his mother. Similar situation. He angry, but his anger stunts him from being able to grow. He's argumentative. He don't have a good relationship with his mother. You know what I'm saying? He's in and out of jail. And everything that goes wrong in his life is his mother's fault. I don't blame my mother for anything. Because uh -huh. those were my choices. Uh -huh. Right? I made some choices. Some good and some not so good. But I also learned to live with my own consequences and stuff like that. And being a mother myself, I know I'm not perfect. And I'm sure my daughter could say, I could have done some things differently. And her son will say the same thing to her because that's what that's what children do. You know, they critique their parenting when they get of age, right? But the thing is, forgive everybody. Don't hold it against them because you're holding yourself back. It's like being a hostage. Um, if I hold you hostage in this room, the only way I can hold you hostage is if I stay myself to keep you in the room, right? That means I'm just as stuck as you. So if I hold you hostage to what you did to me when we were 10, right? Or what you did to me when I was 10, I'm stuck in that 10-year-old place. I don't want to do that to myself. It's bad enough you hurt me. I'm not going I'm not going um continue that hurt by staying stuck. I'm going to free you so you could go and then I could go and do what I got to do, including get some help and healing for myself. It doesn't serve you to be angry because nothing changes. What has been done has been done and it does not serve you. So the best thing you can do for yourself is to to let it to let not let it go or not get over it like it's easy but work on healing yourself i definitely uh, agree with that um that's one yeah. of the conversations that i have with my therapist all the time that i can admit that i am still stuck in that child eureka i'm a grown woman on the outside you know i've been blessed to you know to graduate get my master's work two good jobs i'm okay you know health-wise i got a little chunky but i'm okay but mentally, I'm still stuck in that, you know, I'm still battling through stuff from that, you know, feeling like, okay, do people love me? Do they want me feeling like I'm not good enough and stuff. And so I definitely agree with if you don't, you know, find some type of way to let that go, that it does hold you back in that place and not allow for you to grow and and to see what you got in front of you. And that's one thing I kind of keep reminding myself, like, no matter what my mom did, I'm still here. I, I still made it. So it's time to let little hurt Eureka go and allow her to say, it's time to grow up. Look what big Eureka is doing. Big Eureka is doing what you dreamed of. So you need to grasp uh, in that and be okay with it. Um, and then another thing that I think I have realized personally myself is one of the things that I think why I'm so angry with my mom is that I feel like she makes an excuse of why she did what she did. And for me, all I can think of in my mind was that, well, no one held you down and stuck drugs in your system and put you and put the and say, huh, I'm gonna put this gun in your head. I'm gonna blow you away unless you do these drugs. You did it yourself. So it was a choice. Now, did it end up being a choice? No, because after a while you got addicted and it just went down here from there. But you started out by making a choice. And for me, 
I would love for her to one day to just apologize and just say, Eureka, I'm sorry. You know, I messed up. I did this and that's it. Don't go into, I'm sorry, but my grandma did, my mom did such and such and such, or I saw this and that, 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 going in the neighborhood. Just say, I'm sorry. I fouled up. I could have found a better way to be, make my life better and to fight, but I chose something else to kind of help me get through this. But Eureka, let me say this to you, um, that, you know, you, you are strong and you got through the stuff you went through, but everybody doesn't have your strength. And maybe try giving your mom some grace and some compassion, right, for what she went through because you survived it and, and thrived it. And so it seems like it should be easy for her to do or to say, well, you, you made some bad choices. Yes, she made some bad choices, and she didn't really know the impact. The one thing about many people who use um, drugs is they feel like they only hurt themselves, and that's just not the case. But it's the same thing for a mom who has a mental illness who won't get help. She feel like it's just, it, I'm, I'm only hurting myself. No, you're not hurting yourself. You're hurting other people around you. But people can't necessarily see that. And so the grace for you that you would give to your mom would help you tremendously. It's not going to do nothing for her, and it's not okay that she did it. But give her some grace so that you can grow, so that you can be better, and so that you can move past, um, you know, the hurt. Because you also, as a therapist, are going to have to be walking somebody else through this journey, and you can't co-sign. And that, that's the example what we talked about last week. So if I was your client and I need to forgive I can't judge you that you didn't forgive your mother because what you might be telling me is, is good for me. But I can't say, well, you're not forgiven, so I'm not going to listen to you. Now, I wanted to go back to that. But also, I want you to really um, work on being able to forgive your mother so that you are free. You know this song um, about the shackles? Mm-hmm. The gospel song about the shackles? Like, Mary, your Mary. mom is... Huh? Mary, Mary, take the shackles off my feet. So I can dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got shackles. You got shackles of unforgiveness. Yes, um, and your mother may not ever be able to do that. And that's not. That's not. That's her. That's an ego thing. See, you've gone to college and you've gotten out of Miami, right? You you got a whole different world view than your mom who's stuck in Miami who has a history of using. I talked to a friend of mine who was using. Um, who is now actually finishing up his master's degree in social work. And what he said to me is that he needs to get, he, the furthest he's been was South Jersey in New York. So his, his worldview is so limited, so limited. So the goal for him is to be able to get out and see the world because there's a whole big world out here. But you have different experiences that your mom won't have. And that would include about forgiveness and stuff. But because you know I think God God holds you accountable because you know better now. She might not have known better. So you got to do better. And sometimes even in your compassion and being able to forgive people, they can grow. So, and, and people, if you're waiting on, like your healing is your responsibility. It's not get healed if they do this or if they do that. You want to be healed. So whether your mother acknowledge it or not, you know your truth and then you should you know, be able to go forth um, with that. But the first thing you got to do is want to do it and, and know that it benefits you. Because even when I don't want to do something, it benefits me. I'm more motivated to do it. Amen. Definitely, I agree. I agree. Amen. I can absolutely say, Doc, that what you are saying, I, I lived with, dealt with, and can write a book to tell the story. And I could not, when I went to therapy, I told my therapist, I can't deal and have mommy and daddy issues. So we got to figure out how one or the other or both. And I love that you said compassion, 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 compassion. And that's one of the things that my therapist helped me to see um, and offer my mom that at the end of the day, even though, you know, we're we're healed, we're out of that environment. We did the work. We went to college. We did all of the things. Um, But in their mind, they did the best that they could with the resources that they had, right? And unfortunately, we talk about generational curses and we want to make it this, you know, big, deep philosophical thing, but it could be as small as their mom may not have showed love, their dad may not have showed their, you know, so, and a lot of our parents were parents without great examples. 
So she was getting it out the mud, just like we was getting it out the mud, you know? And that was the compassion that I had for my mom that helped me to heal. My mom came from an island by herself. Her mom, you know, was dysfunctional. Her dad was dysfunctional. Now you got this child and you have no healthy example on how to, you know, on, on how to be a mom. So at the end of the day, I look, I was able to accept that my mom did the best with what she didn't have. And it's the didn't have that allows me to still be able to commune and sit in the same spaces with her, even as we both learn our way out of dysfunction. Right. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes. Um, so Ms. Tyree says, we get ready to, to wrap up with you. Um, what would you like to leave with us for the listeners um, that could just, just help them through this journey? And then also just, you know, tell everyone where we can find you at and what you have coming up. So maybe they can start, you know, following you, reaching out to you and kind of helping you um, with your, um, not your foundation and whatever else, other stuff that you got going on. Okay. Well, one of the things that I really promote um, in my life, in social media, my business, you know, just everywhere I go, is that people be intentional with their own mental health, right? Because even though you may not have a diagnosis, there can be something that happens in life that totally rocks your world and puts you in a position where you might just need a therapist medication or some kind of intervention. Be very intentional with your mental health. Every day people brush their teeth, or at least they should, right? And you should be doing something every day to take care of your mental health, to attend to your own mental health, whether that is praying, meditating, yoga, um, time out, whatever you need to be able to do to take care of your mental health. Because this world that we live in is absolutely challenging. It is a challenge whether you have Christ or whether you don't. Um, whether you have a therapist or whether you don't. And so we should be taking care of our mental health. We should be intentional with taking care of our mental health. Um, so I want to leave you all with that because I think that's absolutely important. So if you don't decide to see a therapist or if you just decide to see a therapist, we should just be doing something intentional on a daily basis. Um, I am. I can be found at TyreseMcAllister.com. That is T-Y-R-E-E-S-E, McAllister, M-C-A. L-L-I-S-T-E-R dot org. I think I said dot com, but it's dot org. Tyrese McAllister dot org. Um, my books can be found on Amazon um, or you can buy them from my webpage. Um, and I think that is really, um, I have, I'm going to be speaking at a gun violence conference on Tuesday afternoon. I have a book signing. Uh, with one of my co-authors on the 17th, and if you give me a second, I'll get that address. Um, it's at her church, and her church is um, 3140 Q Street, Southeast Washington, D.C. So that's uh, 31, it's Christian Fellowship. 3140 Q Street, Southeast Washington, D.C. on the 17th. And that's all I have right now, but my calendar fills up pretty quickly. So I can have a blank calendar today, and next week I got three or four engagements. Mm -hmm. um, I want everybody to um, have a peaceful day. Protect your peace with everything you got. Don't let anybody disturb it or distract it, and don't let anybody take it away. It's your peace, and you are responsible for it. Mm. All right, now definitely, man. You finished it strong, and we we appreciate you taking time out your busy Saturday to definitely become to be our first guest on our podcast. And we was just really just blessed the way you poured into us, um, and just I believe both of us is gonna walk away from here with some stuff that we say, you know what, we need to go back and work on and make sure that we are together so we're not out of order. So. Thank you again. I cannot just say thank you enough for this opportunity. I'm so blessed and, and humbled. Yes. I, I appreciate it. And it was absolutely my honor. Thank you, ladies, and good luck with your podcast. I'm hoping great things will come, and I will definitely be listening in. All right. And remember, she has her own podcast. It is called Third Thursdays, and it airs on Facebook every third thursday of each month so please follow her support her 
help her save our children. Um, as we wrap up, um, I would just like to leave you all with a little quote. Um, if we start being honest about our pain, our anger, and our shortcomings, instead of pretending they don't exist, then maybe we'll leave this world a better place than how we found it. Amen. All right, everyone. Well, again, um, Doc, as I have been affectionately calling you this whole episode, thank you so much. I was texting Eureka. This is awesome. This is great. We walked away with some tools and some resources. I personally will protect my peace because it's mine and I alone am responsible for it. So thank you everyone for joining us. Um, if you have found that this episode was helpful to you in any way, shape or form, or can be helpful to your community and those around you, please, please, please share it, talk about it, text it, email it, send it to your friends and family. The main purpose for this podcast is so that we can deal, heal as a community and just move forward better then we found each other. So follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we can't wait to see you back right here, this same time, this same place with episode number two. Be well. Have a good day, everyone. Shining on them, yes, I'm the token now. Real bright, call me the golden child. Look around, I'm the one that's chosen. Look around, yeah, I'm the token. Shining on them, yes, I'm the token now. Real bright, call me the golden child. Look around, I'm the one that's chosen. Look around, yeah, I'm the token.